0: (laughs) thank you that was uh, a wonderful rendition of that uh, song well sung clear crisp beautiful harmony thank you so much thank you for being in church tonight Um, it's a privilege always to open the word of God we just pray that God would minister to us tonight Uh, So let's, why don't we start with a word of prayer and ask God to help us and uh, see where we go. Thank you. Uh, Our loving Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you for this moment now that we come to open your word. And Lord, to just pause our hearts, still our hearts, and Lord, receive the words of eternal life which is found in your word. And Lord, we pray that you would do your work wherever it's needed um, in my heart and in the heart certainly of those who would listen and Lord that uh, there will be a richness uh, that will come out of this. We ask for your help tonight in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You probably have heard um, this passage preached on several times and Most of what I would share tonight is probably not going to be new to you. But perhaps the emphasis might be slightly different on some of the aspects of this story. And so um, I pray you not tune out saying, well, I know that story. It's the same old stuff, but just be attentive to uh, something that the Lord might say to you tonight. This story happens of the backdrop of uh, two incredible events. The chapter starts uh, with the execution of John the Baptist. And he was, as you would know, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He's the one who pointed to the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world and uh, gave good direction to the people that they must now listen to the Lord Jesus Christ and unfortunately he was executed and this caused no doubt um, great sorrow in the hearts and minds of the disciples and our Lord himself and so they decide to uh, go away into a quiet place into a desert place and they took a ship and they ended up in this desert place but the people Uh, somehow got to know that uh, they they were in this desert place and they followed him, Um, not one or two, not 10 or 20, but uh, the Bible says 5,000 men. So you add the women and children, it could have been a crowd well in excess, I believe of 15,000 mouths that needed to be fed. And Jesus had compassion on them. And that story preceding says that he told the disciples, we need to feed them. And, you know, disciples said, where, where, where do you think we'll get food out in this desert place? And, you know, the story of how uh, Jesus took that, the five loaves and the two fish, and he multiplied it. And he fed this massive crowd. And, um, and after he fed them, they even had, 12 basketfuls left over. And uh, so it, it, you can just see the intensity of ministry that's going on. On the one hand, uh, loss of a dear friend, um, harshly executed, uh, and then uh, this euphoria of uh, feeding so many people. And uh, I guess if you wanted to say At that point, the popularity of Jesus must have gone on the scale from here to about there. Well, here's a person who can actually feed us. Something out of nothing. Economic uh, problems will be solved by this man. You know, you don't need uh, to have good stocks of uh, foreign exchange to buy stuff. He can create stuff. He's the man we need. And so there would have been intense pressure to say he is our Messiah, truly he's come and he's going to solve our problems. And so it was interesting that Jesus, of course, being God, he knew everything. He knew the intents of the hearts of men. He, um, and I I think even the disciples would have been quite excited. They would have seen this uh, performance and they would have said, well, this is it. It's a good time to go, Jesus, good time to go. You know, we talk about that in commerce, you know, when we float a company, what is the good time to go? You don't go when the COVID hit the stock markets and everything's plunging, but you go when the market's starting to take and there's confidence factors return and uh, everyone's uh, got a bit of money and they want to sh- invest in the share market. That's the time the analysts would tell you, press the button to go and you get a price much more than you ever expected. On the float, and uh, I, I guess the disciples would have thought, "Well, this is a good time. Uh, it, it, it is a fabulous time to go." You know, we're riding on this crest. Uh, John the Baptist is gone, but our Saviour is here. And so Jesus actually does something. He sends the disciples away. He said, "Our next ministry point is here. I want you to get in a ship. I want you to go." And the uh, Bible doesn't record it. I'm sure some of them said, but, 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 we want to stay with you." But uh, Jesus sent them away. And then he had to also send the people away. Just imagine the people have been fed, and uh, they're thinking, what are we going to have for breakfast? And uh, I, I guess they must have been so excited. And Jesus said, no, 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 you've you got to go home. you got to go home. I've got business to do. And the Bible records that um, he actually, uh, when he sent the multitudes away in verse 23, um, he actually went to a deep time of prayer. I believe in his mind, he would have thought about the cross that was to come. Yes, this was all a process of loving the people, loving the, the sheep that God had given him, and to feed them, to heal them, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. These are all part of the ministry that Jesus was performing. And he wanted to definitely uh, commit the matter to God and, and and he started to pray intensely. And I'm sure the image of the cross came before him, what he had to do. The Lamb of God was going to take away the sins of the world. The Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And all these thoughts would have come into his mind and he needed time to pray. And uh, you find that God's will is very much in the heart of Jesus at this point. And he wants to do what is always right in God's sight. Miracles can bring popularity, but doing the will of God is of primary importance. Jesus said these words, if anyone would choose to follow me. He had to do some things. He had to deny himself. He had to take up his cross. And then he was to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And he constrained these disciples. In verse 22 it says he constrained them. In other words, there was a bit of resistance. He had to constrain them. Go, go to the other side. And uh, this was part of God's will. And as the story unfolds, you'll find that this was part of building up these disciples and what they would expect as they stepped out in ministry for God. God knew that the storm was coming. But in his sovereignty and in his love, he lovingly sent his disciples across. And I'm sure part of his prayer that evening would have been for these disciples who were, no doubt he knew going to struggle through this storm. Storms are part of God's will. Storms also can hit suddenly and in verse 24 it says, but the ship was in the midst of the sea, it was suddenly tossed with the waves so the wind was contrary. I'm sure the disciples wouldn't have set out on this voyage had the sky looked. These guys are seasoned fishermen, right? They, they, they knew the seas. They probably sailed those waters several times before. And they would have um, perceived the signs. They would have looked at the sky. They would have uh, thought, yeah, we, we can skip across to the other side, no problem. And they would have set out on the journey, they were obedient to Jesus's words. They said, well, the master told us to go, so let's progress onto the other side. But suddenly, out of nowhere, the storm hits. The warm airs maybe just swirled around and suddenly descended down into um, into that sea and whipped up a ferocious storm. It says the winds were contrary to the place they were going. And often when you serve God and when you've just been in heavy ministry and you've been involved in um, uh, ministering to thousands of people and in obedience you're going to your next post as Jesus had asked these men to go no doubt there'll be contrary winds that'll come to stop you from going to that next place that God has designed for you to go there was no preparation for it they hadn't prepared for this storm they they got hit they got blindsided and all of a sudden disorientation fear despair started to take over and saying are we going to make it above all was the problem that Jesus wasn't with them And some of them may have thought we should have stayed. We should have stayed with Jesus and we should have come with him. But Jesus wanted them to experience something on their own. You know, there's another story that Jesus was uh, going across in a boat. And you know that story. Jesus was in the ship. But what was he doing? Anyone know? He was having a sleep. He was having a good old rest and the storm came up. And you remember how they aroused Jesus and said, don't you care? How can you be sleeping when you can see that we are all troubled? But in this case, they were alone. But they were not alone because Jesus was on the show praying for them. And it tells me that in the journey of life that we go through, The Bible says that we have a high priest who represents us before the throne of grace. Do you believe that Jesus is praying for each one of you and he's representing your name before the Father? He knows your next challenge. He knows which boat you are on. He knows whether it's got holes in it or whether it's got the capability to Handle the storm that's about to hit you, to blindside you. But take courage. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus wants you to succeed. He wants you to get ahead in the Christian life. Jesus didn't save you to let you drown. And so this storm hit suddenly. Suddenly. And the fear built up in them. And uh, for them, out of sight was out of mind. Jesus is not here. And we are done for. Storms also only last for seasons. A storm doesn't last forever. They set out in the evening and they battled till the fourth watch. Now I would have thought... They would have probably left around 6 p.m. and the fourth watch would start at 3 a.m. So for nine hours they've been battling this storm. Now given maybe the first two hours was okay as they went, so there's at least between five to seven hours of battle with this storm. Have you ever been in a storm where you feel you're making no progress? Whether it's a family situation, you're praying for your children, whether it's a husband and wife issue and you you think you're making no progress and the winds are contrary, you're trying to get through but you're not making any progress. You're striving with your strength, with the knowledge that you have but you seem to be making no progress. I have words of hope for you that storms are for a season And when the lesson that God wants you to learn has been learned, God will equip you in such a way that this storm has made you stronger. It's made you more wise and that you're able to step out to the next stage of your ministry because God has equipped you in a very special way. In my own life, I've been through several storms, not all the time in the ministry area, but very much in my career area. And I found that uh, when we come through a storm, there was a time when uh, about five years ago, when uh, a company was heavily in debt, uh, we we borrowed money owned by private equity. And um, the model with private equity is um, that uh, higher the borrowing, the greater the return to the equity partners. So that's the way it (laughs) works. But the problem is when your earnings start to dip, certain ratios go the wrong way. And we had a meeting with the banks um, um, on the third quarter or the first quarter of the new new financial year, September quarter. We were meeting with them on the 14th and I had to prepare the, the document for this meeting and i said lord i don't know how this is going to play out because i could see that we we breached and uh, they could have then stepped in and just said game over chaps game over uh, we are taking over and that would have been disastrous for nearly 400 people who work for our company so i prayed and i said lord uh, you're able to remedy this situation and um, out of nowhere, a company which had uh, refused to pay us some money for us for several months paid us a substantial amount of money, and that money, which we could have booked into that quarter, put this ratio one dollar above a forty million dollar um, covenant test. One dollar above a forty million dollar. Mm-hmm. And um, I took a deep breath and I said, Lord, that was you. If that little bit of money, I mean, the money that came, it wasn't like huge, but it was enough to take it one dollar over. And I stepped through that storm and I said, Lord, I need to keep trusting you. Like Brother Robin preached on that this morning. Just keep trusting God. Keep trusting God through the trial. Keep trusting God through the difficult circumstances of your life. Storms last for seasons. And you're meant to learn a lesson in that storm. Don't abandon the lesson midway through a storm. A lot of people abandon God. They say, oh, I don't. I'm bailing out. I'm I'm not wanting to stay in this game anymore. God's been unfair. And, uh, you, you know, we bail out on God, but it's the very lesson you needed to learn to progress to that next step. The strength for our storms is intercessory prayer. Make sure that someone is praying for you. Make sure that there are your life is covered in prayer don't go it alone and uh, I'm a firm believer in telling someone to pray for me when things are going a bit rough because I believe in intercessory prayer I believe Jesus is praying for you but I I also believe that we need to get pray one for another you know in a church this size I know we all carry burdens we all carry problems and uh, it, it's so heartening to know that someone is praying for you and taking your case before the throne of grace so that God is, not that he's unaware of your problem, but he wants your heart cry to come out to him. You know, God is moved with our cries, and you'll see this in the, later on in this story, that uh, when we cry out, God's heart is touched in a very special way. I can't explain how or why, but I I know so that when you cry with a passionate heart and with a humble heart, God does hear that prayer. And so these men are struggling through this storm and uh, seemingly getting nowhere, oblivious to the fact that Jesus is praying for them and wondering whether they should have ever set out on this journey and suddenly they see someone walking towards them initially. And they they don't know it's the Lord at that point, but they see someone walking towards them. And um, uh, the Bible says in verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When I read that verse, I thought, why did Jesus come in the second watch? You know, second watch is um, 9 to 12. Nice time, right? I mean, it's before midnight. It's a good time to come. But why did he come in the third watch? I mean, 12 to 3. I mean, why did he come earlier? How many of you felt that when going through a storm? Why does not God solve this problem quickly for me? Why doesn't God just do? He can. He's God. Why doesn't he solve this problem quickly? Why the fourth watch? And I, I, I just believe that God is wanting, as I mentioned before, for us to learn a lesson. And to learn that vital thing that he wants to teach us. And, uh, and he, he, he comes on the fourth watch. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear. And so the popular theory was when the, when the waters surged and uh, acted the way they did, that uh, there were spirits in the water and they, was, they were attacking those on the water. And I guess this thought was probably in their mind and they, they thought it is a spirit, simple S. And, um, and they cried out, in fear. Verse 27 says, but straightway Jesus spoke unto them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You know when you have wavered thoughts about why things happen and uh, when you start to doubt some of the things that you believed in, always go back to the word of God. That's got the answer. Don't listen to voice A or voice B or voice C. Go back to the word of God. And here the, uh, the person who wrote the Bible himself is walking by and he answers straightway. He says, what you're thinking is wrong. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. He addressed everything that was troubling them At that point, Jesus is able to provide words of comfort to you in your deepest desperation. And he would say, be of good cheer. Tonight, church is telling you, be of good cheer. It is I. I'm present where two or three are gathered together. I'm present in the midst of you. I'm here to help you. I want you to be not afraid of this thing that you're going through. You know, Jesus demonstrated, and I, and, and I say there are three miracles in this story. And uh, often we, don't, we, we talk about Peter walking on the water. But I believe Jesus walking on the water is a miracle. Do you agree? That he suspended the laws of nature. He is God. And uh, he, he's walking on the water towards these disciples. He's skipping across the waters to get to the other side. And you would have arrived there before these disciples did. What an amazing scene. Then when we look through scripture and you see Daniel there in the lion's den. Again being about to be executed for worshipping his God. And God arrives and stays by his side. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They are about to be burnt or they were actually thrown into the fire. And there's a fourth person who arrives and he's walking in the midst of the fire. And Jesus was present to comfort and protect them through that fire. The Lions didn't touch Daniel. And through Daniel's witness that King surrenders to the God of Daniel and a whole nation is blessed because the man of God trusted in God. God removes fear, He's a, he, that's what he wants to do. God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. He doesn't want us to be fearful people. Be of good cheer, he said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world you know when jesus walked on that water it, it it also talks to us about how he has tread down our enemies through god we will do valiantly he shall tread down our enemies psalm 60 and verse 12 in all these things the bible says we are more than conquerors jesus has conquered everything that could trouble us uh, neither death or persecution, or whatever that comes, Jesus ha- said to us that we are more than conquerors. That He has given us the power, all authority is given unto us, so that we can go out and be witnesses for Him. We shall trample scorpions, the Bible says. And Jesus is demonstrating through His power as God that all these things that trouble us that he has overcome and the overcomer himself is able to give peace and release to the people who are in fear at this point and so they are excited to see Jesus at least they're saying Jesus has come and Peter wanting uh, is so um, is so blessed at seeing Jesus and I guess Peter had a special love for our Lord and he, he, he couldn't wait. And he said, Lord, Lord, if it be you, if it be you, let me come unto you. I like the way Peter asked permission of the Lord. He didn't just dive in and go swimming after the Lord. But he said, if it be you, can I actually come unto you? You know, there's something in responding to the voice of God. And uh, not putting ourselves or thinking we are more, we know more than God, but always waiting for the beckoning call of our savior. And Jesus said, come, just one word, come. Peter wanted part of this overcoming life. He said, if my Lord can walk on the water, surely, if I trust him, I can walk on this same water. He wanted to be able to experience what Jesus was offering or willingly offering to his disciples. And so he steps out of the boat and in full faith, he looks at his master's face and he starts walking towards his master. And we don't know how many steps he took, but after a few steps, he starts to See the ferocity of this storm, which is still not abated, by the way. Isn't that thrilling and exciting for us that Jesus walks on the water and the water can still be churning away, but Jesus can still walk on that water. He's not troubled by it. And he's saying neither should you be troubled by it because I am in control. I am God. I will protect you. I will take you through Now, God never lies, right? So he said, go over to where? The other side. Do you think he would break that promise? Do you think they would not go over to the other side? In fact, if you read the passage in Mark, it says uh, Jesus actually was going past them. He he was actually going, uh, right, saying, well, I better get there quick. You know, I believe there was part of the lesson that they should have learned they didn't learn because Jesus intervened and doused their fear. Perhaps if they had held on for a bit longer, Jesus would have got to the other side and the storm would have passed and they would have said, wow, this is great. And Jesus would have said, I'll be praying for you. And that's why we got through this. But Jesus interacts with Peter and Peter started to see the waves and he started to sink. I wonder what happened with Peter and here's the second miracle that Peter himself walks on the water. He did what Jesus did, albeit for a very short time. You know when Jesus calls us and we take up that ministry challenge that he's given us or to walk as his disciples and we said some of us set out in real good form. We have good faith, strong faith, and we set out and we start serving God. But sometimes after a while that faith starts to dip away and then suddenly you find that you are starting to sink because you are now trusting in your own strength and not trusting in Jesus. And perhaps your eyes have now come off the Savior. It's starting to look at all the problems and the churning that's happening around you. And he starts to sink. Peter wanted part of the overcoming life. I wonder whether you want part of that overcoming life. Whether you want to tread down those enemies. You want to exercise the authority that Jesus has given us. All authority has been given unto me and I'm giving that to you that you uh, through the name of Jesus Christ through all the promises is given that you walk worthy you walk fulfilling the will of God that he has for you he will give you the ability to walk calmly through life's trials with great assurance and power often uh, I hear people tell me this, that what attracts people most is how they've seen the children of God walk through trials. And how they, even amidst enormous tragedy, that they are able to be joyful and to be trusting God and to be praising God, even through those hard times. And numerous people have been brought to the Lord because of the testimony of God's people, of how they've handled life's trials. No wonder, James says, count it all joy when we fall into diverse trials, because it's an opportunity you have. God's given an opportunity for you to demonstrate the power of God in that situation. When faith wavers, we will be overcome by the circumstances. Fear and every other thing that the devil wants to attack you with, will attack you. But remember, Jesus is the great conqueror. He has shredded down our enemies. He has openly crucified uh, uh, or slain the principalities and powers that were against us. And uh, we have no fear of what the enemy can bring before us. And so Peter cries out, and he says, Lord, save me. I love this verse because when we cry out to God, guess what? Jesus is there to reach out his hand and to lift us up. When your faith fails, Jesus is not a million miles away. Jesus is right there. He's been praying for you. He loves you with an everlasting life. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he won't leave you or forsake you when you're going through your deepest and darkest moment in your life. And he says to Peter, I'm I'm going to snatch you out of that. I'm going to lift you up. His strong arms pull us up. Psalm 63 and verse 8 says, I followed hard after the Lord. Hard after the Lord. I don't know what that means, but that's a passionate following after Jesus. And he says, his strong arm held me up. You know, when your love for God is so intense, like Peter's love was, you might fail occasionally in your faith but the arm of Jesus would lift you up. And I love this next scene because Peter, the first part is Peter walking towards Jesus and now what's happening is Jesus got his arm around Peter and they're walking back together to the boat. And that is the recovery that God gives you. That in your moment of failure, he doesn't abandon you. He's actually by your side. And he brings you. uh, Mind you, the storm's still raging. The storm hasn't stopped. Not yet. And through the storm, Jesus guides Peter back to the boat. Oh, for a broad place that Jesus brings us to. So that my feet would not slip. He is such a merciful, loving, wonderful God. And he would want to encourage you and to bring you back. And then uh, verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, The wind ceased. The wind ceased when Jesus got back in the boat. That's miracle number three. Jesus was demonstrating that ministry was to happen together as a group of disciples. He was very soon going to give his life for them as he would go to the cross but he was now reunited with his disciples. True fellowship happens when Jesus is the center of all our fellowship. Storms can be quelled through the fellowship that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The communion of believers and the togetherness of purpose will never fail the work of God. The gates of hell will not stand against that kind of unity amongst the brethren. We have the spirit of God within us. He keeps us in the hour of trial. God works with us with what we have. And he will go with us on the next stage of our life. The path to safety is the presence of Jesus. So question for you, is Jesus in your boat tonight? You're fighting the battle on your own and the winds are fluffing up big time, heart filled with fear. <coughs> Jesus says, I have overcome. I'm with you. Let me come into your boat. And this storm will cease. How many of you have distanced Jesus from your life as you've gone through your problem? How many of you try to battle it and work out your own solutions? Let Jesus in the boat, and the storm will cease. And then what happens, verse 33. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him saying of a truth. Thou art the son of God. How do you worship in a storm? And that's the title of the message. How to worship in a storm. Is to let Jesus in. Is Jesus in your heart? Is he got full control? Have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? And the disciples fall down and they worship him. because they've seen nothing like this. The conquering Lord. He's got the power over the winds and the waves. He can walk on the water. He can quell any trouble that comes. And he can give you the peace that only he can give. The path to safety is in the presence of Jesus. Jesus said this, apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet we struggle on our Christian life, trying to work it out in our own strength. Is Jesus in your boat? Verse 34 to 36 is a Wonderful ending to the story. And when they were go- come into the land of Ginnesaret, and the men of that place had a knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. What an amazing ministry. I'm just thinking, had the disciples rebelled against Jesus? And perhaps Jesus was praying that night for the ministry in Gennesaret. But the disciples needed to learn the lesson, to trust him, to invite him into the boat. And together did the disciples experience these amazing, amazing scenes in Gennesaret. Where people just touching the hem of his garment are healed. That's the power of God. Has the power of God touched your life? Have you reached out and touched him? And said, Lord, I need your power. I need your power to take me on the next step of this journey. I'm going to serve you all the days of your faith. I'll take my eyes off you. But will you be there to lift me out of the water when I fail? And Lord, would you walk with me for a few meters till we can come back into the boat? And Lord, there we'll worship you because you're due the worship. And from there, Lord, take us to your extravagant in your life experience the power of God again. Has a power diminished in your life. Invite Jesus into the boat reach out and touch him. And he will do all things well for you. God bless you. I pray it be, you'll apply that if you need to. Let me pray and then Brother Caleb will come and lead us in a song. Lord we thank you tonight again for your word and oh God I am not sure what to say but but just deal with us, Lord. You know each each heart here. And I just pray that your power will just reach out and just change some lives tonight. Help us not to struggle with ourselves, but Lord, to worship you and to let your power work through us. We ask this in your precious, precious name. Amen.